What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 18, Distant Voices! You Nailed it. Because I made the yeah. mic go further away. Yeah. yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm really good at this. How's it going, Mike? Keith, as you can probably tell from my hue, uh, I didn't keep my distance from the sun yesterday. Mm. Uh, it was it is scorching already. Summer came in quick and Ooh. fast, uh, yeah, which sure is did. so. I'm so happy to be spending my entire day here in the air conditioning, doing Deep Space Nine. I watched the show this morning. I'm mm-hmm. recording this podcast right now. I'm going to then post this podcast for the YouTube audience directly after. Uh, but 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 I will say. You've done something to me, buddy, because in grabbing my iced cafe this morning and turning mm-hmm. on good old Deep Space Nine, there's always a feeling of of like coming home and friends and visiting. I love Strange New World. I'm really enjoying it. I love sure. toys. I love all of our shows that we do. Yeah, yeah. Something about Deep Space Nine always makes me feel like this is the one. This is the thing. So... Uh, yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think it's, it's unfair for poor Strange New Worlds because we're only ten episodes in, whereas mm-hmm. we're like forty something episodes into Deuces. Maybe, maybe it'll get there. But I, I feel that same way too. There's something about like good episode, bad episode, whatever. Like I'm there on the promenade, and I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, this, this feels, this feels like my thing. Also, interestingly, this week, so, well, there's so much to talk about this week. I cannot wait because it's basically. Uh, 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 we talk. Keith and I are often proponents of therapy and psychoanalyzation on this channel, and this episode is just forty-five minutes of that. And also, often I think there's the the initial allure of this show, or the, the, at least the premise was, what's newbie Mike going to think about these episodes that we all mm-hmm. know and love? I'm actually this week much more interested in the juxtaposition, which is my favorite word on this show for some reason. Mm-hmm. I find myself saying it quite often. Between 40-year-old Keith's viewing of this episode ah. versus teen Keith, when you think, I'm never going to be 30? Thir- <laughs> Hell no. I'll be dead before I'm 30, and here we are. And also, so so many chats. I can't wait to talk about it. Well, also, I mean, more about, like, what do I think about my the existential crisis I had when I turned 30 now that I'm 43? <laughs> so yeah. I feel well, very different. I spent, I spent today, we'll talk a little bit about it when we get there, I think, revisiting my 30 year old uh exit existential crisis because i like lived it through art uh and we all do yeah yep. I, I was i'm really interested it's so many things to be honest it's this episode right. is so many things so well i i am fascinated with your point of view on this episode for sure but before we can do that we have to get your point of view on last week's episode, of course. And I'm so excited was. people are doing this finally. It's take, We've been begging, and finally people are No, people are absolutely doing they're it. loosening their stem bolts, if you will. So last week, we talked about Visionary for a very long time. I'm looking, because I had to pull up the thingy. We went for an hour and 36 minutes on Visionary. Uh, that's, that's very long for us. Mm-hmm. So, Is uh, it? Yeah, actually, yeah, we usually come in like 120, 125. It's like 10 minutes longer, which is a lot. So here are your ratings out of 100 self-sealing stem bolts. Joshua Cronin gives it a 75. Jason Moe comes in at an 80. YouTube viewer also with an 80. JD comes at a 70. Worf's boot shivs up at 85. Harry Pothead also 85. And we have not one, but two super tip 
Commentathons, uh, get ready. People so- are taking this. We you know we made the offer, and so now we must provide. Oh, here it is. I mean, and and like I I love it. It's 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 fantastic. People have such smart and interesting things to say, and it's a uh, it, it's a cold read test for for me. So uh, can I get through the cold read clean? Let's find out. So, uh, Sans Deity, our good friend who does this every week, says, First off, I will settle the argument, which is undeniable. This is undeniably an O'Brien must suffer episode. Many people said that. Many people said he dies multiple times and is left with a huge mind F at the end, along with the rest of us. I really, really like this episode. It's one of my favorites of season three. And it's ironic because one of the main things I really enjoy about this is it's very much like an episode of Next Gen. Agreed. Deep Space Nine is my favorite show, and I think it's so much better than the other Star Treks because it's focused on more character work. But it's it was nice to get back to something sciencey. It's been a while since we've had a good old science mystery on Deep Space Nine, and this episode delivered a great one. I agree with Mike that time travel is hard to pull off, and if you can do it well, it stands out, which it does here. I loved how we got to see the same scenes play out from multiple perspectives, like Back to the Future 2. Back to the Future 2 is the bomb. That was me. One small... Time yes, out. Mike? Is it just me? Back to the Future 2 kind of plays into to this week's episode, because more and more, the Bashir makeup started looking like old Biff from... It, it 100%, well, <laughs> it looks like old Biff and somebody else I'm going to tell okay. you a bit more in Trivial Triva. Uh Ed, but yes, a hundred percent. The the old makeup was very much Back to the Future too. But I didn't hate it, to be honest. I did not find it hokey, which I thought I was going to when it started. But I kind of I have I have a surprise for you about that too. Oh, okay. But before we get there, we have to continue. San saying one small thing I didn't like was how fast Julian was to dismiss Miles, having vivid hallucinations when he says mild hallucinations are a symptom of radiation poisoning. Bashir just brushes them off too fast. I think he would be more concerned that he had intense solutions and not anything but mild ones and then cracking a joke. Uh-huh. But anyway, there's a reason Colomini was given all those O'Brien must suffer episodes because he plays the role of the beleaguered man so well. He does. In many of those O'Brien must suffer episodes, not only does O'Brien suffer, but he's on some sort of an island by himself. In Visionary, he's the one time-traveling and is the only one who knows the true stakes of the Romulan attack since he, only he sees the destruction of the station and only one, and, and is the only one who has to have deal with a life, to live with an unsettling feeling that he isn't himself. Column just seems to kill it in that role of isolated hero. Incredible performance. Another thing I noticed on this rewatch is how funny the episode is. There are so many hilarious beats, none other, none better than Kira saying, I'm always diplomatic, mm-hmm. to the quick cut of her yelling at the Romulans. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, and I resent the implication. I freaking love her. Give Nana visitor her flowers. But there are a lot of other funny comments with O'Brien and Odo and O'Brien with himself. But while this is like a next-gen episode in many ways, it still Deep Space Nines it up by introducing the idea of a new Miles and the creepy idea that Miles is not truly himself. Although I feel that's how it is anytime you use a transporter. The you that enters, not the you that leaves it. I like that. Also, yeah. I'm also curious, uh, what happens to this Molly and Keiko? 
Does he disappear from their lives and they think he's dead? Do they wink out of existence? Jeez Louise, this show is deeper than I thought. Thanks, guys. 90.991 self-sealing stem bolts. Hell yes, they are self-sealing. By the way, Mike, keep up the ad-libs on the bumper songs and the K-numbers calls... <laughs> bumper song. And K-numbers call someone you love today. Good, good advice. And delusions at noon. Also, I have, I also, can we? I love K and Emmers. Yeah. I mean, it makes me feel K&Mers. weird, but I also love it. I, it's K and Emmers. I don't know what. What do you want to be called? <laughs> it's like you know, Trekkies, Trekkers, K and Emmers, K and Emmers. Do you just not want to be associated with us? Which is, I think, what I, I would think choose. That's fair, yeah. I mean, past forty, I'll I'll take any K and Emmer I can get. You know what I mean? Wow. There it is. All right. So, you know, uh, we mentioned if you leave a super tip, we read your comment. And this one, we have two delusions at noon. Uh, always fen- phenomenal analysis there as well. Says, I give this one an 81. A fun episode, but for me, a little conceptually thin. I'm somewhat less enamored of the time travel stories for their own sake than Keith is. And for me, they mainly work when they were a vehicle for exploring other ideas. I'm thinking of the way Back to the Future uses time travel as a way to dramatize the shock and maturation that comes with the moment you realize that your parents are just screwed up people clumsily muddling through life exactly like you, or, very good point, or how Kurt Vonnegut's novel Slaughterhouse-Five uses time jumping as a metaphor for PTSD, or how the great TNG episode Cause and Effect uses its time loop plot as a microcosm to explore the tension between stasis and growth that comes with an episodic storytelling and ongoing character development. Here, the narrative gimmick doesn't really feel like it reaches any for, for any broader idea, as in those bolder, better examples, and it doesn't do much to develop O'Brien's character. Uh, do you teach, like, at a university somewhere? <laughs> this is really smart. Uh, Delusions continues. That said, it makes for some slightly exasperating. It strains credulity that no one ever even raises the possibility of a connection between the president, the presence of a quantum singularity and the presence of the Romulans when they first discover the cause of O'Brien's time jumps. Yes, agreed. Yet still quite enjoyable to watch for its own sake. And, uh, and the whole backdrop with the Romulan negotiations and the Klingon spies doing uh, is doing important table setting for later episodes and seasons, yes. It's always very cool to see how artfully the writers thread the ongoing Dominion arc through the episodes that seem like standalones. And it's definitely an O'Brien must suffer episode, and upon reflection on some future events in that vein, I think one could argue dying might not rank in the top three worst things that happened to O'Brien in the course of the series. You're damn right. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic analysis. Um, I mean, honestly, I I think Sans and, and Delusions should just take over the show. They're just smarter well, than we are. Let's be relax. They can be our Joan Rivers. You know what I mean? If we ever have to Johnny Carson away for a vacation, they can Joan Rivers uh-huh. in for us. I, I have to bring this up, or I will fail to mention it. Yeah. It is completely uh, an, a uh, a non sequitur here, but I was. This is what the show has done for me. I was running like days ago and I had this kind of thought about the grand scheme of where we are and everything. And it really scared. In Deep Space Nine, that is? Yes, yes. Yeah, in Deep Space Nine. And uh, (laughs) I'm surprisingly on task today, Keith. And it's scary, actually. And and you have a little more context than I. So I was thinking about recent developments about our continued reminders of the stakes of the Dominion threat. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Now, out uh, and how far the Romulans are willing to take things to protect against it, how we had to like build a nuclear sub to basically protect ourselves, kind yep. of, you know, the preparation yep. in the threat level is on DEFCON red, right? Across what seems to be all of our known species, or that's the yep. vibe. However, outside of the Jem'Hadar, our view of the founders who are the pulling the strings of the Dominion, to my understanding, where mm -hmm. we are, every time we've seen Mama Odo, right, who who appears to be the leader, if if as yeah. as, as so much the, as the, we've the been figurehead shown, to yeah. some extent, yeah, she, uh, right? Did we establish she? They they are. Um, completely nonplussed, never angered, never seem to be threatened. They don't seem to view us and our preparations or the Romulan preparations or the Klingon preparations or any preparations taking place or our- Not impressed, not impressed. Not even remotely threatened. In fact, all she really cares about is kind of seeing what makes Odo tick. She's just- Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, that's not bluster. That doesn't seem to be bluffs. If if they're not even concerned with our level of concern and preparation, we no. are screwed. No, I mean honestly, I made, and I was running and I got palpitations, Keith. I was physically human scared on this <laughs> on this side of the wormhole. So that's not good. No, I mean that is that's a really good observation. Like it is so her lack of concern is so ominous. I mean, she's she's looking at the entire quadrant mm -hmm. like somebody looks at an interesting bug. Yeah. Like sort of poking it with a stick. Like, huh, what does it do? Well, if you're playing poker, right, and you just pushed in your life savings, you're all in, right? And the guy you're yeah. playing against isn't sweating. Then He's you, like checking his phone. Either <laughs> he's the best bluffer in the world or you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Those are only two options. Yeah. No, no doubt. No doubt, yeah. So anyway, yeah, the super tip is straight below, folks. You don't have to join the Patreon, though. Maybe you no. should. If you want to have your comment read here, if you have something interesting to say, give it a pop in a super tip. All right. Well, I think we should uh, go to the sip, super tip top of this episode and talk about Distant Voices, which aired on April 10th, 1995. We had a few weeks off, so uh, we could really think about last episode. Our top song. Mm, I can't wait to hear it. Mike, are you warmed up? <clears throat> Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It. This is how we do it. It's Friday night and the moon is right. No, that's TGIF. If you ever want to be Mac or an OG player, I think that's regulators. Well, I, I do know I, I, this I, is how we do it. Yeah, we got that it. part. I, I think for a second you went into the TGIF theme song, and then you were, you really took a journey there. Oh uh, yeah, well you know what? We, Friday uh, night and the mood is right. Gonna have some fun. Show you how, how it's, it's done. done. TGIF. Oh, you're, right. you're right. I sure did. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. I mean, to be fair, it's what we were watching in 1995. Okay. What was Voyager doing today? State of Flux, in which we discover a traitor on Voyager. Look out. Oof. Mike, uh, if we weren't watching Voyager, or maybe after we watched mm -hmm, Voyager, mm -hmm. what else were we watching today? Keith, I'm going to waste our time with a bit of a clip later, so I'm going to bypass this to, like, to, I, I'm reserving my time. I'm reserving my time. He's, res he's reserving. Okay, noted. Wow, okay. Uh, <clears throat> it's out, out of order. Uh, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, out of order. Reserving my time. 
I'm reclaiming my time. Reclaiming, <laughs> reclaiming my, my time. time. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, the weekly world news headline. Uh, it, this is an interesting one. I feel like it was probably written by a Koch brother. The rainforest virus will destroy the world. The disease that will claim billions of human lives triggered by an infected monkey. Uh, we better bomb those rainforests. Get them out of the world. Also, America's greatest prophet warned of the plague back in 1945. Guys, look out for those rainforests. They're really coming for us. There are so many things I love about this, actually. One, my mom was born in 1945. So hmm. perhaps she was that great prophet or she was the plague. I mean, I she might be the could, plague. Yeah. You could look at it out of the way. And also, if you just change the disease that will claim millions triggered by mm -hmm. infected uh, bat goo, you got a shot mm -hmm. at being truthful here. Mm. Almost yeah. well done, Weekly World News. Almost well done. Almost. Almost. All right. So, Distant Voices was directed by Alexander Singer, who last directed Heart of Stone. It has a teleplay by Ira Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf, with a story by Joe Minoski, who mm. last wrote the story to Rivals. Which means it's time for some trivial triva. Now Keith, waste your time. With what? With what? With trivial trivia. Ba, 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 ba. Okay. Here we are in the trivial trivia. Mike, you mentioned the makeup a little bit before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, did you know that uh, this won the Emmy for makeup? Oh, I did not know that. And uh, yeah, so there it is. And, uh, you know, uh, let me just make sure I have this connection right. Yes. So, uh, did you see the pictures I put in there? I did. Would you like to put those on the on the screen? Let's Keith? let's put them up here as as it relates to the makeup. Uh, do you do you see the the similarities between the two of those folks there? I do indeed. I, uh, you know, Keith, on the watch along that you can you can find me doing every week at patreoncom slash M, I noted mm -hmm. at some point it did seem to be a swap where it was no longer Alexander Siddig. Is that true? Nope, it is. Al it continues to be oh. Alexander Siddig. Did they just model his face after this? After our friend here, after Malcolm McDowell, Oscar-winning actor Malcolm McDowell, McDowell, also the bad guy in Star Trek Generations. The very same. The very same, and also, guess what? Alexander Siddig's uncle. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I thought you might that trivial trivia. That's great. That uh. And but what's interesting is that Malcolm McDowell was much younger than this when they did the episode, but the makeup made him look exactly like current day Malcolm McDowell. Huh. It does. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it does. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. In fact, I you know, we'll talk about this later, but I really thought that you know, with the with the old person and the makeup and the this and the that, it would be it was rife for the to for Siddig to kind of caricature up the old guy, but I really felt that he didn't do that, and that he was really focused on giving a of grounded yeah. and and empathetic, not just emotional performance. I mean, how he gets crankier and kind of more scraggly, but his yeah. physical performance I thought was pretty grounded too. He definitely did some work there. I think. Yeah, there. I mean, I think this episode really shows the growth in Alexander Siddig's acting. Mm. Um, you know, be from the Make Me Live episode when he was Vantica, like that was like, uh, it didn't right. quite go well. And this was sort of like a do-over. 
and actually did, I, I think, a, a remarkably good and job. Clearly, they had seen his growth because they, they felt f safe giving him up. This is right. There's pretty much nothing really happening but him. It's like a solo episode. Yeah, yeah it really is. Uh, also, in Triva, Triv Robert Hewitt Wolf's wife, who was a pre vet at that point, pointed out to him over and over because he wrote this uh, in previous episodes, the pre-ganglionic fiber and the post-ganglionic nerve are completely different and nobody would ever mix it up by accident. And this putting this into the episode is one of the things he did to get his wife to stop bothering him about how stupid his I mistake I thought that was. was very specific. That's awesome that it was a Easter egg. That's cool. It was an Easter egg. Yeah, it was like, no, there's no way somebody like Bashir would make that mistake. So, uh, and I love the following up on it. And are we done following up on that? No, we are not. All right. You know who else we're not done with, Mike? Who, who could that possibly be? That would be our patrons. Mike, I would like you to tell you tell us who's patroning the patron at patreon.com slash K&M. And what are they getting in exchange for their hard-earned cash? Well, folks, first I'm going to tell you uh, that you can join the team at patreon.com slash K&M. And, and I really suggest you do. Uh, you get not – you might have heard our friends Sans Deity and Delusions at Noon giving incredible, insightful – commentary here on the YouTube channel, but guess what? It's happening every week in the comments on the watch-alongs sure and the, the other comments. Yeah, the K&Mers are having incredible conversations. Sometimes we're not even a part of them. And uh, since the picnic we did a couple weeks ago, and you can watch that on the channel, us all, the, the people, folks watching Star Trek Five together, it really was a blast. And and the more the merrier. So, so much fun. Come and join the team. You really don't have to put, give us a lot of money. Just a couple bucks a month will get you in on that content. Also, I'm watching every episode of Deep Space Nine and Strange New World in real time, giving my comments. I'm playing video games and dropping demos. We're doing just, just anything extra that we're thinking of or doing at the time. We're throwing on the Patreon just to say thanks. Also, every episode gets dropped into a singular RSS feed. So if you want to listen to the podcast versions, you don't have to go searching for them. They all just appear on the, on the Patreon-only RSS feed. But most importantly, Keith, and I was lamenting on the, not lamenting, I was I was commenting on this today. It is difficult to make money on YouTube. It is difficult to uh, really recoup any of your time investment. We don't do it. Keith and I both are grown men with real jobs, and and this isn't a, a money making venture. But it does help us offset our time, and you can have your stamp financially as a producer on the show that is the main benefit of becoming a patron and uh, for and and so find a, if it's not us find another creator that you appreciate and throw them some bucks uh it really is the best way to support the content and the people and the and the content creators that you appreciate patreon.com slash kndm come on over and join the team uh we'll uh we'll we'll, we'll replicate a rap rap for you yes indeed yes all right so, uh, Mike, what do you say we hop into the screening room? Keith, I can't wait. And I'm going to remember to click this button now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. ba 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 Okay, are we ready? Are we ready for distant voices? We are, Keith. And before you even start, I wanted to point something out because we always like to highlight production and first things first. So, you know, when you're directing an episode of television, especially on such a quick turnaround like these shows were, director doesn't have a time to like focus on. He's got to set the shot. 
and he's got to get things going, right? So there are people, and I have a friend, my friend Bo actually is a, a set dresser. So he works on movies and television shows, and his basic thing is they say, here's what the scene is, go get all the props, make the props, here's your budget, whether you like it or not, here's your budget, get the props, make the thing look like it's supposed to look. That, that's basically what you get, and then you hope, you, hopefully your team is good. And here, the storytelling is amazing because a lot of times food is overlooked. Keith and I have mentioned many times, we've seen actors just totally miming eating on camera and nobody catches it, nobody even sees it, they're faking it, mm -hmm, uh, which mm -hmm. drives me insane. But here, there's a beat, a subtle comic beat about about Garak saying he's he's chubby or he's feeling overweight and, and the doctor's gonna help him, blah, blah, blah. But the storytelling continues because look at this set dresser. Look how Siddig has just a little bit, just like a nibble, right? Whereas Garrick has a full plate of like four sushi rolls, two buttered things. And neither one of them have eaten a bite of any of it. Nope, and they don't need to because the set dresser's taking care of it and let us see that maybe maybe Garrick is eating a little too much. I I, I know the feeling. Yeah, I, know. I, know I, the thought feeling. That, I thought that was cool. I caught that right away. I thought it was really cool. Oh, I should also point out our guest stars this week are, of course, Andrew Robinson back as Garrick, Victor Rivers as Altavar, and Gillespie as Jabara, and Nicole Forrester as the Daba, the singing Dabo girl. Oh, yeah, of course. All right, so we begin. Huzzah! Garrick is here. Always welcome. Bashir and Garrick are on a date, and Garrick announces he's trying to lose weight. <laughs> and he can think of some ways to exercise with Bashir, but before they can do that, it's Bashir's birthday! And Garrick got him a hollow sweet program of a Cardassian mystery novel. Yeah, I was saying, I was like, so Garrick, how many times does your penis appear on this hollow sweet program? <laughs> it's so funny. I try to pick up the phone. Oh, no, oh, it's, Garrick's, it's Garrick's junk. I feel like there's oh, some no. subtext. Oh, boy, it's crazy. I just, oh, my God, I'm just imagining just like. But, like, just the member itself showing up Correct, as various yes. objects throughout mm -hmm. the story. I'm so sorry, everybody. We've ruined it already. <laughs> anyway, Bashir is not enthused because all Cardassian novels are about guilty people. We've actually talked about this mm -hmm. before on the show. Turns out it's Bashir's 30th birthday, and he's sad because it's the beginning of the slow march towards middle age. Just wait, buddy. Wait till you're there. You have marched to your destination, and now you're just reveling in it. I'd I'd uh, Thirty was great, actually. <laughs> Looking back, Thirty was like, amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I could live in one like age of my life, I'd be thirty. I'd just like stay thirty, be thirty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thirty was like the the peak for me. I I, th I think thirty was the was like the the pinnacle for me. Anyway. Uh, so uh, Garrick doesn't understand not embracing aging. Cardassians embrace aging, which I think is actually pretty wise. But Quark interrupts and asks if uh, his uh, scary Lethian buddy can buy some biomimetic gel, which is naturally super illegal. And interesting here, basically what's happening is Quark is trying to use Bashir as a way to bail on this horrible deal. Mm. Um, it's probably, you know, I, I think we see biomimetic gel some other time, or we did before, but, like, definitely used for, like, uh, WMD kind of stuff. So Quark is trying to get out of it, which is interesting. Uh, and, of course, Bashir's like, hell no. But when he goes back to the infirmary, the Lethian is there trying to steal something, probably the biomimetic gel. They struggle, 
and the Lethian zaps Bashir with a bunch of finger lightning. Uh, not like the... Like, I don't know what the plan was for the Lethian here, but, like, it was not a very sophisticated attempt at getting plutonium. Yeah, and, and also, like... It's such a trope, right? Uh, and we'll see it in a couple seconds, but... Why is... Why are all thieves... They just... Why do they make a mess, right? If I'm if I'm trying to steal something, I'm going to go in swiftly, covertly, take the thing, and get the F out of there. But everybody, why do they take the time to be like... <laughs> i got to throw a bunch of bottles on the floor. It's like on every movie and every channel, like, I, I just take the thing and go. It's like the practice where they where they hung the, the, the extension cord from the yeah. ceiling fan for some reason. <laughs> like, why did... Yeah. I we mean, need to see it. See, that's what you do if you're trying to stage it to look like a burglary. That's right. If it's like a, but if, if it's, it's an, an actual burglary, scam. just get the yeah. thing. I know. I know. I will say uh, that lightning effect looks amazing. Yeah, it's like, not bad. E- every bit is up to our current standards, and the makeup of the Lathian is really, really cool. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I thought his voice actor was really good too. Everything about him was pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, he gets hit with the finger lightning, and we begin Act 1 with Bashir waking up and calling security. All of his Star Trek toys have been strewn about. <laughs> and clean like up, after, clean up, everybody. It looks just like my shells behind me when uh, Charlie gets too frisky. <laughs> he calls, and uh, nobody answers the call, and the computer isn't responding at all. He hears whispering and walks onto the dark and abandoned promenade. He looks into a very convenient mirror to discover that he has my temples. And he hears crashing in quarks. He has my temples when I was 18. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I went early. It, it, it's, just, it's, it's hard to tell, but there's definitely a lot of gray cooking in there. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah, well, you're just all gray. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm touch of gray. You're just all gray. Uh, uh, I'll have the salt and pepper. Hold the pepper. <laughs> So uh, he finds a terrified Quark holding his tray. He says, he's going to kill us. We can't move or he'll find us. But he won't say who. Quark runs off and then somebody throws a chair at Bashir from out of the darkness. So uh, he just wanders off in search of Quarks and finds tea leaking out of a replicator. We do get some awesome wide shots of the station in the set. Oh, yeah. I mean... This episode had to be so cheap because they're basically just like, turn off the lights on the set, let's wander around. Mm-hmm. Now, Keith, how many beverages do you think, if I would like just sprinkle it a little bit on your finger, you could sniff and identify? Uh, so, but if it were like coffee, you'd be able to smell it immediately. Yeah, but like a is. specific varietal of tea is pretty good. He's British. He's and got that's fair. tea's this thing. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> well done. Ooh, this is Diet Mountain Dew from. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this is like May. I yes. Can smell the yellow number five. Hmm. Uh, so uh, he goes to find Odo inside the sec- the security office, but finds Garrick instead. Garrick explains that the station has had a major systems failure. Only life support is working, and everyone else is missing. But then Bashir hears the whispers again, and we learn. Uh, we get an interesting little detail here. Uh, Cardassian hearing isn't as good as humans. Very interesting, I thought. Yeah, because our hearing is, is generally known in the uh, in the human world or in our biosphere as really bad. I mean, that's just because we do too much recording. 
No, no. I mean that you know we don't hear as many of the waves. Oh yes. Well, compared to yeah, many species, that's yeah. true. But like Cardassians have some as like fearsome and like malevolent as they are, they have some limitations. I like they don't hear very well. They don't take the cold very well. Yeah, they don't have a lot of uh, joint articulation. With those, no, big, with those big shoulder pads. Big shoulder pads. Yeah, exactly. They can't turn their heads yeah. like Batman. Cool shot here. Good look at the, the yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, deepness yeah. of the ring. Um, which has that step, which we've seen before. We saw that step was featured on Melora, and it's very odd that they have a step there. But clearly, it's it's from a production reason. <laughs> so, uh. Bashir hears more whispers. We did we learn that they decide to split up naturally and search the station. Bashir wanders down a corridor when the lights start turning off behind him like a horror movie. Then he's trapped by a force field. Um, the the light down the corridor thing. I thought that was very mm-hmm. effective. Scary. So in Act Two, he gets on a turbo. I don't know what how what was the force field about. Yeah. He just. Yeah. Like, he just like, oh, I hit a force field. Then act two, we're hopping onto a turbo well, I think that I it was more like, okay, we have three minutes to fill. Like, what? find some spots on the... on the. There's a lot of filler in yeah. this episode. So he gets on a turbo lift. You know, and it's interesting you say that timeout. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is an important thing because I've come to a place of peace, Keith. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot of... Uh, I found myself a feeling and, and commenti- com- commenting on... In this show and Strange New World, but this show often, that there's often this place between like minute twelve and minute like thirty-two or or mm-hmm. twenty-eight that I feel a little bit like, come on, get on with it. Right? I okay, we've set the pieces, like let's go. Let me yeah. see. And whereas I used to critique that, now I'm realizing that's just their pacing. They like to take all their toys out, show you all their toys, and then uh-huh. have them like just smash against each other for a little while, right? They just want like here's the here's the <clears throat> like here we've set every big every character's in kind of kind of a different playing a little bit of a different intention. And before we tell you what that's all about, we're just going to okay, now let's see how Kira is going to talk. Let's see how Oda, let's just play with our toys a little bit before we progress the plot. Now, is that pacing good? Is it bad? We can I've come I've come to accept it now because it seems to be consistent enough that it seems to be that's their choice and it's so it's less of a choice now and it's become a style well it's it's in the good episodes that's where you do your character work right Mm -hmm. that's where you expand the mystery that's where you have the dynamics and characters in the bad episodes then it's just filler Mm -hmm. and i think that really is that's that's what it is so uh he gets in the turbo lift and the lethian tries to force open the door but he kicks them out bashir starts to pass out for some reason then that we the, never explained why he's about to pass uh, out. Put a pin in the wormhole. Yeah, yeah, he's now full Fantastic Four. <laughs> he uh, does look just like that guy. Yeah, see. Like, uh, why did he pass out? I thought maybe this, like later, I was like, oh, but maybe they had an idea at some point they were going to cut to him. Like every time he passes out, they're going to cut to him in a coma somewhere and back. But sure, no, yeah, that would make sense. But there's just, just, just a lot of things just sort of like happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get to see uh, things we've never seen before. Have we ever seen this bit of the turbo? This is a cool thing. The roof of the turbo yeah. lift. I don't know if we have. Uh, but we can see the Lethian start to bash through it. Um, but then that, that none of that matters because he just leaves the turbo lift and he hears Kira and O'Brien arguing. 
He walks into the wardroom where he finds them there with Dax and Odo. They try, they're trying to decide what to do about the Lethian. Bashir now looks noticeably older. He looks like old Biff now. Old Biff. Uh, and the four of them are oddly arguing with each other. He asks what's going on, and Dax finally notices that he's an old man makeup. Dax and O'Brien are arguing about what to do with the Lethian. They all go and try to fix excuse me, a computer something. They keep arguing, they argue some more, and they get to a communications relay. We hear Dax, so they fix the communications relay, and we hear Dax and Cisco talking about trying to save someone from a telepathic injury. And we hear that the real Bashir is in a telepathic coma. So that's where we are. Bashir puts it together quickly. He's in a coma. Um, That's what's happening, which I think is good pacing-wise to get to that by Mm -hmm. the end of Act 2. Um, yeah. And then it kind of makes Act 3 pointless, but we're, here we are. So in Act 3, everyone else, everyone here are just parts of his brain interacting with itself. They're all supposed to be archetypes of voices in his head. But the most truthful part is Odo saying, so we're all here just to have, for you to have someone to talk to? Yup. Uh, Bashir... Yes, yes. I completely agree with your criticism that I foresee. I completely do. But the sci-fi thing here, and from a therapy standpoint, that I really kind of find fascinating because it's something not explored often, is what if, the question, what if you had to characterize all of your fears, Keith, right? All of your fears and insecurities and all the shit going on in your head. What if you had to cast that, instead of being mean Keith, as all your friends, who would be oh, what? I would, that is fascinating. I would love if that had been the episode. I like. I would love had they actually done anything with that. Mm-hmm. But he very quickly explains which one of them is the Scarecrow, the Lion, and the yeah. Tin Man, though we haven't really established any of it well. We just heard them bickering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because uh, like, I love that idea. It's great. But, it's a great idea. But it was, it, it, it was in and out. In like 45 seconds, none of the writing was clear. Like he explained, oh, you're my this and you're my that. I didn't really, I couldn't tell which was which until he explained it. And then it's not really. It, it's not important. And, 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 and what makes that fascinating, char- the, the character growth or development or the insight that we would get if there was a why to each of yeah, those? If it were, if it were just, it, they gave it more time. No, they, they, like, they tried to write themselves out of it when Garrick says at the end. Yeah, they they, they bailed. They bailed on it. Yeah, and, well, cause, and Garrick tries to talk, being like, oh, you cast me as the villain, and there's something to that. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I would have loved, to, what's the something? Can we talk about it? Can, well, His makes yeah. the most sense, obviously, but the rest of them, it is pretty arbitrary, except for it's the a, Cisco. The Cisco thing kind of makes sense. but The Cisco thing was the confidence. O'Brien was like the fear like Kira, or like Odo was the or Dax was the aggression yeah. or whatever like it wasn't Quark okay, already fine. the fear kind of they're all kind of the fear they're all kind of it's it's just like okay but like forget the hopping around with tennis balls let's get in the room and really explore this like that sounds like good sci-fi like good Star Trek if we actually got into Bashir's head but we really didn't get that far into Bashir's head until the very end uh anyway the Lethian is running around trying to damage his mind. And he thinks, if I can fix the station, he can fix his mind and he'll wake up. Save the cheerleader, save the world. Mm. The Lethian steals Dax. 
then that heroes, Bashir, Keith? Heroes, yeah. yes. Good pull. The uh, the Lethian steals Dax for some reason. Then Bashir finds himself playing tennis with Garrick. Uh, Siddig has clearly played tennis before. Andrew Robinson, not so much. If you go back and watch it, you never see the tennis ball and Andrew Robinson in the same frame. He swings the racket out of frame. <laughs> there it is. Uh, so uh, Bashir plans to go to Ops and help repair the station. But on the way, he runs into a ton of injured people in the hall being treated by Cisco, who represents his skill. He recruits him to go help in Ops, but the Lethian... So we have this moment like where he recruits Cisco, let's go. But then immediately, the Lethian grabs Cisco and pulls him through a wall. Uh, it's all a very direct-to-video nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. Through the bed. Uh, <laughs> through the bed, yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, it's a cool effect pulling him through the wall, but like, we have all these... We set up these ideas, and we literally yank them through a wall so we don't actually deal with the idea or or into it. That's weird. So That's uh, money, baby. We have to give the impression that that uh, Avery Brooks is in the episode, but he's not. That's right. He, he worked for like two hours. You hear his voice. He gets pulled through a thing. Yeah. He's like, look, I, I, am, I am, uh, I'm flying to Mexico on Tuesday. You have four hours. Make this happen. I got to grow a goatee pretty quick. Yeah, well, it's coming. It's coming soon, I've buddy. been promised. I've been promised to that. So. Oh, it's exciting. So uh, then he runs into the Lethian who threatens him and is impervious, impervious to phaser fire. And everybody just wants to take that predator design, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, although this is not nearly as much of a ripoff as, as Strange New World. And I think it's a fantastic makeup. It is, it is, it is. Like cool. the little teeth coming down. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. So in Act 4, Bashir put on a ton more old guy makeup during the commercial break and discovers a dead Kira and half-gooed Odo. These are cool shots. Let me see if I can... I mean, that's awesome. That's a badass shot. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, that's like the makeup design is fantastic. Dead Kira acting her ass off, and then good Odo... Mm, half-gooed... Look, it's very hard to do yeah. that at this point. Uh, the Lethian is killing off parts of him. Odo says, use the conduits. Uh, that was at least he did something. He finds O'Brien in there, telling him he's going to fail. Then they arrive back in the promenade for some reason, and we see a monitor showing Bashir in the real world who is dying. They find a crowd in Quarks betting over another old Bashir about how much longer he has to live. Then Keith is Bashir, busy. I'm busy. Charles, do your job. Okay, so uh, then O'Brien is dead, and the Lethian kills Quark. I didn't quite I understand the switch between, like, it's O'Brien, it's Bashir, and then it's O'Brien. And that... But it's like a part of Bashir. I mean, listen, the psychobabble, if we, we, if we write the episode for them and, like, really get into the therapy of, the psycho, the therapy of it all, <laughs> there's some great talks this, to be had. Uh, there's a good episode... That could have been written here. Uh, this this is not that episode. It's interesting uh, because I had in the like the four minutes I had between watching it, peeing, and then starting this, <laughs> I felt like I liked it. But what I'm coming to realize, and it's this is not you swaying me. This is you know it takes a while to think about these things. Is that once again I like 
great example. You know those books they sell that are like writing prompts? So for people who are like a little writer's blocked and they're like, here's a exercise. So here's a concept. Okay. Now write yeah. about it. So like, I'm or like a theme, remember themes in high school? I don't know, maybe nobody remembers that. We called them themes. Or it was the exact same thing. Here's, here's the sort of bold, uh, write about a time you were really embarrassed. And then you right, have to write a four page right. essay or whatever. Well, here, the prompt is really interesting. Right. But if you're that English teacher, most likely 90% of the essays you're going to get are going to be boring as hell or filler or BS, right? And maybe three are great. I feel like this is not one of the three. It's like a it, it has a it has a lot of a feeling of a a story written by like a 7-year-old. And then a monster comes in and bites me. And then all of a sudden I'm on the roof. And then all of a sudden, a big bird comes down and right. drops an egg on me. Which, and then all of a sudden, mom is dead. Which, and then all of a sudden, you know. Which, on on one level, that is how nightmares work. And I can, and that is how uh-huh. our brains sure. work. We talk about, you and I specifically talk about all the time, in really traumatic moments and stressful times in our lives, our recollections are, are scattered, are prismed, are I- incoherent, are asynchronous. And all of that can be furtive and interesting and create a really horrific, scary, sure. emotion, tense-filled episode of television. But if there isn't enough connective tissue or explanation or conversation or ideas with, strewn with stitched together, it just becomes, like you said, a little nonsensical. Yeah, and I don't mind it being a little chaotic. And I don't mind that it being – there's some levels of absurdity and levels of, like, random stuff. But you do have to have sort of a – a theme to it you have to have a point to it and i think um yeah connective tissue like you said like now why, all that said, why is this happening why is that happening? what salvages this for me some spoiler uh from being just like total schlock and we mentioned it at the top is Siddig. i think he is does a great job rounding yeah. the performance enough so we're actually seeing someone age and play the different stages of life as he goes uh for what that's worth and yeah. we can how much we want to wait that is is i mean like there are good elements here it just adds up to nonsense so bashir runs out and falls and is helped by garrick but he's fallen and he can't get up and uh we begin act five he gets up uh despite he, he having, definitely claims his hip is broken yeah despite having diagnosis broken hip he just like hops right up and hobbles to ops uh, Bashir is now in full ancient makeup. And he's doing the walk. Uh, and uh, they discover a big birthday party in Ops and a Dabo lady actually singing happy birthday a la Marilyn Monroe. Uh, and they must have paid for the rights because the copyright for happy birthday, the song was still being enforced. They do a point. pretty solid little harmony and they've got some good pitch. Everybody in this episode can has can carry a tune. No, I've done it. It's a, it's a musical cast. Uh, yeah, no, she was great. Uh, they could afford to pay for this, uh, the, for the rights to the song, because this episode is cheap. Other than makeup uh, and a couple of goo effects, it was a it was a bottle episode completely. So this he scene hobbled. actually affected me the most, to be honest with you, mm. because it's my mom's birthday coming up. And I'm having, I'm struggling a lot right now with watching her. I've seen her age, and that's been okay. I've been fine with that, but she's now becoming an older person, like a yeah. And 
succumbing to a lot of the kind of like feeling of just giving up a little bit and I'm having a really hard time with that emotionally and this scene for some reason captured that I think his physicality and just, it, it, I don't know for some reason it really struck me I don't know that that's what they were going for but it it really started me well there, there I mean there is that turn between aging and elderly yeah and it is and it's, hard, it's hard to describe exactly what it is but I think it has to do with like an aging person you don't have to take care of. Yeah. And an elderly person you do. Yeah, and and there's this captured a lot of things that, you know, and this is why I was like a 13-year-old 14 when we never would have caught half the shit that this episode yeah. kind of yeah, can yeah. stir. And part of it is that, you know, my mom, you know, like it's nice that they portray Bashir because he's still a young man in his, like, having the fight to be like, no, I'm going to save the station. I want to blah, blah, blah. Whereas my right. mom, who's just representative for me emotionally of, of a period of life I will get to, is is much less defiant of accepting her mm. abilities and, and or her limitations and, and finding a way to cope and all those things like Siddig portrays here, and much more fearful, denialful. Yeah. And and it, it's a much sadder episode I'm watching in real time. <laughs> And uh, yeah. so anyway, so so at this point in the watch, I got a little muddied emotionally. Like well, it's hard. I, I, it's you know I'm a little and un, and understandable. And yeah. a lot of those characteristics are personal more mm-hmm. than age. Yeah. Yes. Um, because I, I I know people who have done that at thirty. Yeah. And people at ninety who have who have not. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, and I I mean we're obviously going to talk about like how much this episode is about aging mm-hmm. and i you know i wish it had been more so right yeah but uh but yeah i, I mean, actually thought it was gonna be i was like oh it's gonna be therapy for me to really work through some stuff but it it it, it really comes up short in a lot of ways but let's let's get through it yeah they really tried or they didn't i don't know what they did yeah. uh anyway he hobbles up to a computer spouting some techno babble they open a panel and they're showered by tennis balls um which I, I liked. I mean, it's like the sort of nightmarish dream quality. Like, sure, that makes sense. It's the trigger, he, right? Now we're gonna. Now you're being. He's being pummeled by the stuff he's stored in the overhead compartment. Mm-hmm. It's very literal. And now we've got to discuss it. We are. We're, we're pummeled by our past. I get it. Uh, he falls down and probably breaks his other hip, uh, but he gets back up and hits another button. More tennis balls. Then he realizes that Garrick doesn't represent a part of himself after all. He's actually the Lethian, and we morph from Garrick to the Lethian. Uh, this is the best. C- clearly, the site. Look, look what character. What's Garrick's actor name? I forget. Shit. Andrew Robinson. Sightlines. Yeah. One hundred percent on a different plane. Not. Yeah, oh yeah. Not and then. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, and that that morph, like you think that was super super advanced technology. But I actually had a morphing program in like 97, 97 only like two years after this, I was doing this on my home computer uh, for a school project. I actually morphed two people together. Nice. Somewhere, I, I wish I had it somewhere, uh, but I full on did it. And it was, you know, it's obviously not quite as good as that, but like not as bad as you would think. We just, for, it's everything, Keith, in our life. Well, I mean, we've got a lot of cool stuff, but mm-hmm. we just were born a little too early for 
well, we're going to see in a few, in a little bit, uh, it, even things when I was 30 years old, like videos of things I were, was a part of, or, even though the technology at the time just wasn't quite good enough. Like I thought, oh, this is like, I have, I have, spoiler alert, when I turned 30, I did a play about kind of this exactly. And, and it was like, oh, I have that on DVD. Let me grab the DVD. I can, right. there was like a bootleg DVD somebody did from the audience. And even that, the digital technology of when I turned 30 was what? Most terrible. 2010 is terrible. Yeah. I'm looking at it, I was like, terrible. I can't, it's, you can't hear it. You can't understand it. You can't see it. And that wasn't like a pro shot thing, but man, we just missed it all. <laughs> at least we got yeah. good TV when we were young. That's true. That's true. Well, we were we were the we're in that interesting generation that we we were born analog and then it be, we became digital throughout our lives. Basically, our stint on this planet, Keith, the mm -hmm. the we are the tech. The technology would be our time on this planet is to people having to convert all their old VHSs to DVD. That period uh -huh. of time when people had that one VCR that could do that. That's us. Well, no, well, because no, we're VHS through today. Yeah. Through MP4. Yeah. Like, like we, with an H.264 encoder that's all blocky and pixelated, and you're like, is this better yeah. quality? I don't think it is. Yeah, see? All right. Anyway, let's move Ooh, forward. Yeah. So, uh, he, uh, we see the more from Garrick to the Lethian. Bashir is now full Hector from Breaking Bad. <laughs> and the Lethian tells him to give up. Ding, 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 That's ding, what ding, you've ding, always ding. done. That's the finally we Keith, that is the funniest pull you've ever done on the show. <laughs> ding 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 ding. It Hector, looks just like him. Hector Salamanca. Yeah. Hector Salamanca. God exactly. damn that show. Oof. So good. So uh we finally get to actually learning something about Bashir here for the very first time in the episode. Yeah. <clears throat> he says, uh you're gonna give up like you've always done. When you were young, you wanted to be a tennis player, but you quit because your parents wouldn't approve. Even though you told yourself you weren't good enough to go pro, you were. Uh, and uh, he went into medicine to please his parents. Then he points out that he should have been first in his class, but he purposely answered a question wrong, the pre-ganglionic and post-ganglionic, to avoid the pressure. Uh, Doesn't the Lethian know, though, that he's a therapist never just gives you the answers? But the Lethian isn't a therapist he's a mean therapist he's not actually he's a monster he's a monster he's trying to be mean so i guess my wormhole question well let's wait till we get to wormholes i always pre-do it because the lethian really is my biggest wormhole we'll get there we'll get there yeah i'll i'll, I'll, yeah. I'll pitch the question to you when we get there is it yeah we have a lot yeah we're, we're so close mm -hmm. that the recap this is the shortest recap i've ever written yeah it's great we're, we just hit an so. hour and we i recorded for like 20 minutes talking so this is gonna be great let's go <laughs> Then he asks about Dax. Why'd you give up chasing Dax? Uh, and uh, so uh, Bashir makes a crawl for it back to the infirmary. <laughs> and this is where he can fix things, not on ops, because this is his home base. He fixes some technical, technical things and turns the lights back on. And the Lethian is not happy about this. Bashir defends himself and his choices. And says, this is where I belong, and this is the life that I want. He turns on a force field and blocks the Lethian, then sterilizes him out of existence. Naturally, this makes him wake up, 
in the real world. And all is well. Later, back at brunch, Bashir explains that Alethian got caught and that uh, he's not the actual Alethian in real life. Got caught immediately and that now he's not so bummed about turning 30 anymore. Garrick wants to know why he was the subconscious villain in Bashir's head. And he says, after all this, you still don't trust me? There's hope for you yet. Good final Garrick beat. So, uh, yeah. So we have, uh, we've got some stuff to discuss here in a little segment we call... No. <laughs> Why do you hate the bumpers? <laughs> Dude, they fall! Okay. Oh, why is it? Attention, Bajoran workers. Let us, uh, yeah, let us discuss uh, wormholes in the plot, shall we? Yeah, hold on. I want to grab this thing real quick so I can do it later. Um, okay. Great, 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 great. Did it. Nailed it. Um, Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm. Oh, that's the wrong thing. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll do it a different way later. Okay, so <laughs> what's happening over there? Oh no, God. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah. For those of you listening at home, that was just a lot of meat mouth noises. Um, <laughs> yes, we know. All right, so <laughs> b- biggest biggest. Now he knows it. Stop the clock. Um, so the question becomes. The the guy zaps him, right? Uh huh. Which p- puts him in a coma, or like or it was a it wasn't a full zap because the, as he says later that would have killed him. They're usually lethal. Right. So the 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 thing in his head wasn't an actual was was trying to kill him, or it was was it just his everything was his subconscious trying to get back? Is it was all just a, basically a fever dream? In his, or was there like a part of the 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 monster who was actually trying to accomplish killing him, and the, and he actually had agency in fighting back? It, Julian's agency in his self rescue, I guess, is my wormhole. Is is well, there any Julian's truth Julian's agency makes sense to me, right? Like if you're struggling to wake up, mm-hmm. right, and so. Um, you know, like from a coma or whatever, but let, let's just say like you're sleeping really hard in the morning and like, mm-hmm. I got to wake up wake and you like, yeah. and like you dream about waking up and you wake up and then you realize, oh, it's still a dream. And then you're mm-hmm. fighting to wait, you know, that sort of a thing. You're trying to fight to wake up. I could totally understand in a, in a coma sort of a world that you're sort of fighting. To yeah. That doesn't bother me I, I, as, as much as like, but the monster he was trying to overcome wasn't the act. There is no one-to-one connection between monster well right yeah because if 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 the lethian were still there with his fingers on his head and he was like telepathically i i think the, the question is the lethian's agency yeah yeah yeah. i guess that's yeah it's like was there actually i i don't i don't i don't think we're to believe that the lethian actually was conscious a conscious part of that okay I think the Lethian in Bashir's head was still part of Bashir's head, even though we say, oh, it's the Lethian, not me. I think it still is Bashir's head. Okay. All trying right. to recover from the injury. Uh, I think? Yes. Well, that, I guess, is the, thus is the, the confusion of that is a wormhole. Uh, it's just, 
or it's not a it's not a fully formed it's it, or it's a partial wormhole. I'll also say that I think the the last act the the bit where we we what about Bob it and we tell you exactly what uh, his life path could have been with his his dealing with the what ifs and all that when he's ancient Bashir is all all tracks and makes sense and is the the what yeah. of the episode it's the meat of the sandwich everything else though as we'd started to discuss is a wormhole there's no real one to one between why the scarecrow is a scarecrow or why like and, right right but I, and 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 i think there probably will be people who defend that and say hey it's a fever dream it's a it's shattered mirror prism but i feel like there's they lead you to believe that it's important right that yeah. it's going to be important to him figuring solving that riddle to get to the MacGuffin to to, to escape the death trap and it right. doesn't really t- seem to be important and that is a wormhole in my opinion it's just doesn't make specific sense uh, no 100% i mean because like if the last 5 minutes where we examine the ways in which Bashir made choices not to pursue option A not to pursue option B not to pursue option C and you know and when you're at 30 right and and especially when you're older you really start to reexamine those choices mm-hmm. i could have i could have you know I, I i had this option on the table i did not walk through that door i walked through this other door or whatever and we want to you know and all right so then not only are we examining those choices if we are we examining did we not take that path because we were scared or did we not take that path because of whatever you know and, and in the arts totally like you know for like for me right mm-hmm. i sort of walked away from my performing career did i do it because i was scared because i had stage fright you're damn right mm-hmm. did i also do it because i love writing and that was more exciting to me and that was more who i am yes right so if this episode because they gave three examples right the tennis the being a doctor because your parents wanted it and the dax thing if we really wanted to explore each of those choices and 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 are you warm you know, here keith or are you giving the, your summation of the episode i'm fixing the episode okay. so should we say should we jump right over no i'm gonna forget it if i don't okay go 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 for it so uh <laughs> <laughs> so let's take this up i'm gonna re-break the episode mm-hmm. and the lethian's point of view and his anxiety is like you're a coward you could have had this amazing life and you chose to bail on each of those things, right? You could have been a tennis player. You were, you know, professional tennis player. You were too scared to do it. You could have been number one in your class, the great famous doctor. You chose not to do it. You could have been with Dax. You chose not to. All right. So let's do a uh, miracle on 50 or what is it? Miracle on 54th street. No, no. The, um, the, the other Jimmy Stewart movie. Uh, wonderful uh, life. Wonderful life, yes. And and all right, let's show his life had he been a tennis player. Let's show his life at, had he been the top of the club. Let's show his life with Dax. And Bashir's point is like, no, I want this life. I could have had those things. They would have been exciting. But there's a reason why I chose to other than cowardice. Because mm-hmm. I like being a doctor out here in Deep Space Nine. I like my friendship with Dax. Whatever it is, have him defend those things. So you have, you sort of like do the, you know... Uh, I mean, yeah, do 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 the uh, do that sort of. Uh, uh, what am I thinking of? Um, Christmas story, the the Scrooge. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and do that 
that would have been an interesting episode that would have had Christmas a lot Carol. more to say. Christmas Carol. Yeah. Could, could, have, could have Christmas Carol did. And that would have made a lot more sense. Um, so my wormholes basically are everything that happened up until that last few minutes. Because we're if we're to take the Lethian does not have agency after he zapped him. This is all Bashir working through his shit. Yes. Right? The first, there's like the, that mushy middle, right? Mm-hmm. The 30 minutes after the first five minutes and before the last seven was just kind of a waste of time, right? No, it's a waste of time. I mean, like you and I talked about it. He's doing the work, which I think is this is a, a fictionalization of doing the work. But now, it's not, though. I, I know. I understand that. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying that's, I think, the premise the problem is that what makes good TV generally is here's a riddle or here's a problem. How are we going to use our intelligence to, to, to piece through it? And it, and if the vibe is that had he not that that he wasn't he wasn't conscious Bashir going through working through these things right and and I get the feeling that he was going to either wake up or not wake up from his I don't it, right right like they kind of lead you to believe that him solving the MacGuffin inside this world is what healed him physically but i don't know that that i don't outright say that and i don't that doesn't quite make a lot of sense based on the kind of physics and the everything they explain in his dream world even the right. characters in his dream world are kind of like so we're sort of not important hey stop scratching the couch it's, it's muddied so whether or not you agree with that dear dear watcher dear viewer dear listener or we're wrong or or their intentions with i didn't read the the thing this week so i don't even know what their intentions were but they don't no, make it clear have. enough one way or the other that we should even have this conversation. So that is a wormhole, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think this episode is... I think, I think you put it perfectly, right? This episode is either a do-the-work episode mm-hmm. or a solve-the-mystery episode. And they solve the mystery at the end of Act 2. Mm-hmm. So then you have to do the work, but they really didn't do the work until the last yeah, five or, minutes. Yeah, or like if in, in some of those episodes where they like get they get trapped in a this or trapped in a that or trapped in a different right. realm or whatever. They have to literally kill the monster or solve the thing to get out of the trap. Right. Here it doesn't really feel like him doing the doodads at the computer and being like, oh, I, Dax is my friend. Friend zone is right. okay. Actually killed the monster. See, so- I, I, I think it's so much better. Like the much better episode is that do your therapy work, heal your brain. Mm-hmm. That's how you wake up, which they sort of did. But they only in the last five minutes. All right, let's talk best moment, then we can finish. Yeah, our, uh... I, I just think his acidic's perf- performance is really great, and I think that last few beats from where like I started to see my mom in this whole thing through through him through him sterilizing him, um, just defending your choices or understanding them, I think is the best moment because it, it's mm-hmm. so weird, Keith. Last night I had this exact conversation with my brother. I was kind of working with him through some things because he's sometimes gets trapped in the, my brother does, is like really successful and does really well for himself professionally and in his personal life, but he still can't get over the like, what if I had gone down this path, I'd have more and I could provide this much more. And like we could be, instead of, I could have sure. two houses instead of the blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> and what I had said to him, what I, I thought was pretty astutely and where I think I like this, that moment, and I'm keeping it as my best moment, but I, I do have a problem with it also. Oh, and, okay. Is that, at least in my opinion, you don't just defend your choices and say, well, this is where I'm supposed to be and I ended up here, right? I think anytime you're arguing with the what if, you're bound to lose. 
You can't have a rational argument or an objective-based argument with the what if because you have no hard data, right? There's not saying that, Keith, had you made the decision to keep being a performer, let's say, let's say you liked them equally and you decided to keep doing that, that you would have been successful or that you would have been fulfilled or that a thousand other dice rolls yeah. would have gone a certain way to make you in a better place than you are now. You just can't argue it, right? So at some point, there is a. it's not just a defending my choices and saying this is where I'm meant to be. It's kind of an acceptance, in my opinion, of this is the way it went. Well, and, and I, 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 th I think, you know, in, in, I think both in Bashir's example and in mine, it wouldn't be defending the choice. It would be defending the motivations for the choice, yeah, okay. right? Because mm -hmm. it, it wasn't that... I made the right choice. It's that I didn't make, I didn't not make the choice because I was scared. It wasn't fear that caused me mm -hmm. to make that choice. I actually wanted this other thing more. When you're really saying you were a coward, but that's not what it was. I think that if we could, I think a lot of the, the effort we use in even dealing with the what if, in wrestling with it, if we, that energy could be transplanted over to the Here's the way it is. Let me find the appreciation and the making this the best it can be. Yeah, would be better served. That's kind of the conversation, and that and we don't really have that conversation here either. <laughs> it's more him just defending this. I, I'm everything is the way it's supposed to be, and that right. is very easy and very clean and borders on trite in the grand picture. But that all said, he grounds it in a very personal place for Bashir, and I think there is growth for Bashir because mm -hmm. of that performance and because of at least seeing him wrestle with it, whether we liked the specific way he did so. Yeah. Uh, and so that I will say is best moment. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's the last few minutes where we actually learn something about Bashir. I think learning that he biffed the exam on purpose is cool. Yeah. Is very interesting. I think that says a lot about the also, character and retcons and informs when he's up for this big award and all this all this attention about it and focus would make him very uncomfortable. Yeah, cuz he you know, he he sort of chose not to have that while Pressure. pretending that he did. Like mm -hmm. it's very complicated. Like yeah. I totally get it. Like you you want the attention, you also don't want the attention. You're you're drawn to it like the flame, but you're scared of it. It's it's all of those things. Complicated complex. is good in my opinion because that's what life is. Life is complicated. There aren't any hard answers usually. So I don't mind the complicated. No, no for sure. And uh as I mentioned, we're gonna con we're gonna there's another layer here that we haven't hit yet and they haven't even conceived of yet. <laughs> on a production level, mm. but there's another layer here that's going to make it even more interesting. So I like that table setting, even if it were unintentional. I think it's time to hand out some stem bolts. What do you say? Only if they're self-sealing. Hmm. Charlie, you are not going to die if I don't give you my full attention for 10 more minutes. I promise you're going to survive. You're going to make it. I had to shut the door. I couldn't I couldn't do the cats right now. Um so yeah, we we started our conversation clearly. Oh, already. for sure. Yeah. And you know, this is one of those things where you know, it, this would have been a lot more cut and dry when if I was younger, when I was in the because it, all the nonsensical stuff, the kind of you're just like, "No, nah, all right." 
the fact that it it does effectively drum up a lot of the feelings. I, I went back and started exploring how did I feel when I was 30? What did I think was ahead? What did I think was behind? Yeah. How do I yeah. wrestle with the questions he's wrestling with? How do I defend them? How would I cast the people in my life as my anxieties? Would they be a part of that story? Can you, is that even, does that even make sense, right? Is if the monster is you the whole time, like maybe the monster isn't Garrick, the monster is you, it should have been him. He should, the thing should yeah. have transferred, you know, like, so I don't want to give it too much credit because even though I'm- the alternate versions of him that had made those other right. choices. Because it makes us fanfic better episodes doesn't mean it was trying to make us fanfic better. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> we shouldn't have to rewrite the yeah. episode. <laughs> um, that said, it does ask some really cool questions, which is awesome that it, that it, it goes, and, and Having an episode dealing with existential crisis of aging is a pretty is a is pretty baller for a sci-fi like action adventure show to do. I think this actually shows a little lack of confidence where we often talk we often mm. herald it for its confidence and I think it's you don't have to make it an action adventure spectacle uh, of uh, the Dream Warriors <laughs> Elm Street right. type type of show. You could like you said People sitting around a room talking and like, and look, the opening scene with Garrick where they're they're juxtaposing our fear of aging with, right. with the Cardassian view was interesting, was furtive. Holding us up to a mirror is interesting. Those conversations are interesting. He could have had some, could have, could have, could have. Yeah. It's not a total miss for me because I... I, I I was moved in certain ways, and I think that it showed growth performance-wise for Sitting, and his character had a little bit of growth. But it's just not, a, it's just, you know, sometimes I think I'm harder on the episodes that showed a lot of potential and just biffed it. Sure. Uh, than the ones that just are like, eh, whatever, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's hard to put a number on it because I'm, I'm so fresh to it, but I'd like to hear what you you have to say officially before I, before I put a full yeah. number on it. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I I think missed opportunity is exactly the way I would categorize this. Um, I I think anytime you're going to spend an episode inside somebody's mind, mm. you have I mean that is the most fertile ground, mm -hmm. and we should go in there and come out of there feeling like we have like had an excavation of a character, and we really only scratched the surface right at the very end. And it wasn't even really an excavation of his fear of aging, right? He just got older. We didn't really learn anything about how we felt about it. He just physically got older. And 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 the anxieties that he was dealing with weren't related to aging, mm -hmm. right? He was battling this other guy. He was whatever. So you, you had, it was so confused because it was like, is it about missed opportunities? Well, a little bit. Is it about aging? Well, he gets older. Is it about the different facets of his of his brain that don't, aren't able to work together? Eh, sort of. Is it a sci-fi battle with this other alien? Eh. It just it wasn't any of those things because it was all of those things, mm. and and it was just, um, you know, if if I were the showrunner, I'd be like, okay, good idea. Now go back and write the episode. You know, pick pick a lane, mm -hmm. write a great episode about it. And, and that's not what happened. And as you know, we've been talking here for like a, an hour and 10 minutes and I have ideas for like four different fantastic episodes that can be written here 
go back to the writer's room. Mm-hmm. Finish the idea before. I mean, I get they're under such. We're, we're 18 episodes into a season. It was bum, 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 bum. I'm sure it was like a frantic, panicked pace that they were at, at this point. But like, like take, take one idea for an episode I had here. Okay, so if we want to have a battle, right? We want to talk about the choices we didn't make because we were afraid or whatever. All right, so have it be ourselves. I would love to have an episode where I battle myself who made other choices. The, yeah. the, the version of me that stayed being an actor, the version of me that's 50 pounds lighter and has, you know, got into the ensemble of Phantom on Broadway, but maybe I didn't feel fully f- as fulfilled by it as I expected to. Pick the vision of me that, you know, didn't get married or got married earlier or stayed single or whatever it was. The person of me who stayed in, in New York, or, you know, or like, or didn't go to opera school, who went into theater school. The person of me didn't go into the arts at all battle have a have an argument have have each of those pieces of me argue that this was the best choice and then at the end have me call balls and strikes on whether or not i made the right choice or not mm-hmm. that's interesting yeah. right but but this it didn't do that so uh you know in the end it's just kind of a mess and um a, a missed opportunity um so you don't <sighs> And more importantly, I don't really ever want to watch it again. Mm. Right? This this is one of those like I skip this episode almost every time on my reviewing, or I, I don't actually skip episodes, but I, I don't pay much attention to this one <laughs> on my reviewings, and um, I'm just like, yeah, eh. I, I I I I had an initial in, an initial instinct to like I I wondered if on rewatch I'd pick up some more like maybe some hidden things and if. You're telling me you don't you're not finding them then maybe i don't know that i'd want to rewatch it either so no it's it, it's just not it, it's not a good episode i just thought out just not a good episode uh so i need to uh need to hand it out hand out some self-sealing stem balls but i gotta take a look at my ratings previously this season uh yeah i think uh i think it's gonna get a uh gonna get a 63 it feels Probably. fair. I was, I was, I was, I was on the sixty-five cusp, and I do mm-hmm. think I liked it probably a little bit, a teeny bit better than you. So I think sixty-five feels good. I'm going to stick there. Sixty-five. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. So we want to know what you thought. How many self-sealing stem bolts do you give? Uh, are we missing something? Maybe. Right? Is there something about this that was great that we're just just didn't understand? Um, yeah. Tell us, tell us your thoughts. And uh, but let me uh, before we uh, before we tag it, we need to talk about what did IMDb think? Mm-hmm. What did the collective Trekverse think of this episode? They came in at six point four, so sixty four self sealing stem bolts right between the two of us. This is ranked number one hundred and fifty five out of one hundred and seventy three episodes of Deep Space Nine, not enjoyed by the viewers of Deep Space Nine, but. Next week, we'll be discussing Through the Looking Glass. So okay. here we go. Uh, Mike? Keith, we do a lot of other shows. We talk about stuff on KM Geekly on Mondays. We mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. Strange New Worlds on Fridays. And then on Sundays, we look at Star Trek toys. So you can get all that cool content here. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, tell a friend. 
Uh, I wanted to talk quickly, yes, you might have heard of the musical Rent, but before the musical Rent, the, the composer of Rent wrote a show called Tick Tick Boom, which is about an artist turning 30 and dealing with it uh, and kind of going through that kind of ex experience. When I turned 30, I was turning 30, and it's framed around a birthday party, right? Much like uh, something Somebody we turning 30. Yeah. Yes. And uh, it just we had a bootleg recording of one that was cool. We, I got to do it when I was turning 30. I got to do the show, and we had a very short run. It was like two weeks, I think. But it was really successful, and so they, they extended it an extra week, but they had already moved on to the next show at the Playhouse, so they'd struck the set and everything. So we ended up having to do an extra week of the show just take the show and the band came and we just like stuck it on top of another set of a different play which was like <laughs> crazy kind of really kind of cool and, it's like and children's theater I, yeah I, it, it, it was Saturday rad shows, and yeah. people like it was people out the door it just it was so successful i was it was really and so that was cool. me turning 30 and it's about a guy an artist saying no fuck all of the choices and the bad stuff this is what i want to do and like fuck the mm -hmm. sacrifices this is what i want to do and that was like really important to me at the time in fact i got a i got a tattoo about it um, Chicken wings? Uh, no, it says cages of wings. It's a lyric from the show. Oh. Basically, um, it's a, that's a bird in, in relief. Yeah. Um, nice. Anyway, because I always wanted to remember that feeling so that when you get older and more uh, the, the existential crisis becomes more crisis, uh, I wanted to remember that at one point in my life, I was confident about my direction. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the bootleg is really bad, but here's just like, I want to, oh, I, I can't wait. there's three minutes of some, they're not even contextually the best parts, but whatever. Instead of the, our normal send out, I thought we would end it with that. Uh, until next time. That's just my job. Oh, till yeah, then. Right, wrong show. This has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Hi. I'm John. And uh, lately I've been hearing that sound, that uh, ticking, it's, uh, it's not a big deal. It's actually kind of comforting, sort of like a... Uh, oh, look at baby Mike. I was, I was 29. <laughs> Look at the bass player just killing it. Hell yeah. You gonna jump? Come on, you gotta jump. I don't jump. Yeah, you better, Bell. Good belt, Mike. Thanks, buddy. Keith. You'll keep working. Develop <laughs> it. I'm supposed to produce it? And you start something new. It's been another five years on something that doesn't fucking go anywhere. My head will explode. But then like, I'll be 35. 35, 30, who cares? Focus on something important and do your work. That's easy for you to say. You have a job. A, an apartment. A fucking BMW. We both made choices. Well, I'm not going to sell out. All of this is your fear talking. You have to take control of it. Bashir. Bashir.
Yeah, my king. 